Matthew chapter 7, we will still be in. Hopefully you remembered the golden rule from last week. If not, I'm giving you mercy. We're going to practice a little bit more today. So if you don't have one of these, I will tell you later, we're going to do something with these. Uh, if you need one, there's some back there on that little table for later. So I'm just saying that before I forget. Ambitious. If you don't know the word, go ahead and Google it. But I tried to think of you know, this whole idea of love. And I think when Jesus is talking, he may, maybe has this idea in the back of his head of this is an ambitious commandment. And I started thinking, how am I going to illustrate ambition to everybody? And you may have heard this story before, so sorry. But if not, you know, I'm just going to tell it anyway. May 1st, 1996. Throwback. As last century. I went to visit Lincoln Christian College. And, uh, you know, I was going to be a youth minister. Good logical place to go. Christian College, right? And so I'm sitting in R49. That's Restoration Hall 49. About halfway back. So it's a room about this size. I'm, I'm sitting about halfway back, middle aisle, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to learn all about college, uh, what I need to do, what I need to prep for. This is Parents' Day. Oh, wait, no, no, 96. This is 93. I got the date wrong. Way throwback. So I'm sitting back there, and I'm sitting talking to Dad, sitting, uh, actually talking to one of my future friends that... Uh, didn't know we ended up playing on the soccer game, uh, soccer uh, team together. And all of a sudden, coming stage right, no, stage, not stage left, I don't know. I see this girl walking in front of me, looking for a seat. My world stopped. I'm thinking, oh my, what's this? I've never seen a girl before until this point. Like, I, I had dated, and it was just like, you know, hey, let's just go out type stuff, and I had a couple girlfriends, but all of a sudden, I saw this girl walk in, and I thought, I want that person, right? In my head, I mean, this is what I'm thinking, right? So I'm like 18 years old. I had pinpointed exactly who I wanted. And then I found out later, uh, when we officially met, we met in a bookstore, all right, so later during the day, I see her in the bookstore, and I start talking to her and find out her name, Joni Boren. I know Joni Boren, and so we started talking and figured out what the connections were. About three years later, I ended up proposing at the very spot we met, eating uh, vignetta ice cream. Is that right? Yeah? Okay, clarify. Had my, my best friends, they all serenaded us, uh, had a little bit of Elvis Presley playing in the background. <laughs> it was the song, not Elvis Presley. It was the song that mattered. And so uh, we danced, uh, proposed to her. Luckily, she said, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I started thinking, like, this was ambitious. I had never really talked to a girl or really pursued a girl. But this girl, I definitely wanted. She's out of my league, right? The, like, this is not just one level above. This is like three or four levels. Like, Jason doesn't, 
I was clueless to what a girl was until I saw her, and then I really wanted her, and I was willing to do whatever to get this girl. I was ambitious, and I pursued her so much that I actually started telling people she was my girlfriend before she was my girlfriend, <laughs> right? Like, I'm calling my shot, all right? In fact, we went to CIY Move together. I knew my group and her group were going to the same place. And I, I told my youth group, I said, hey, listen, you're going to meet my future wife. Like, I'm going to marry this girl one day. And, like, we had just talked a little bit through over the summer, you know. And so they're like, okay, beaver, whatever, you know, you're dumb as usual. Ambitious. Like, calling my shot. Seeing the future and wanting it to happen and willing to do whatever it takes to make sure it happens. I think when Jesus gives this golden rule, this is an ambitious undertaking. When he says, do unto others as you would have them do to you, he's talking ambitious. He's talking, we're going not just one level, two levels, we're going four or five levels past where you are now. And as we talked last week, you can do the golden rule and not engage or interact with anybody. You could come, sit, not move and think to yourself, I'm doing to, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to bother anybody else. And so I'll just keep to myself. That is not what Jesus is saying. But typically, out of convenience, that's how we sell this golden rule. And so today we're, we're looking at this and maybe you can kind of gauge where you are spiritually. Maybe you're at that rank, all right? And so that's kind of a, a starting point of, I'm just going to keep to myself, not bother anybody. Uh, and then we talked about going to the next, next stage of, I'm going to try and do good to people because I want them to do good to me. And you, you say it like that, it's like, okay, this sounds selfish. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Or at least I can anticipate that you're going to scratch mine back. There's still selfish there, selfishness there. Jesus is going way beyond what any of that looks like. This is a call to follow Christ and to be an expert imitator of him. So right off the bat, I would ask you, with that little card, we talked about the golden rule. Ask, this is your question for yourself, rhetorical. Did you do something about that this week? Did you practice doing unto others as you would want them to do to you. Pursuing good for others. And so you see this, this kind of progression in our faith. One is just easy. I'm going to keep to myself. Uh, I'll just be good and, and quiet and not bother anybody. The second level is I'm going to pursue good. And you start to see a little bit of attitude change. The next level is more difficult than that. I am going to be godly. It's a character change. In this change, you begin to recognize that my identity is solidified in Christ. This being good, this loving others, that is who I am. God has hardwired me to love other people. This is you. You begin to see people as God sees them. Compassion, 
mercy, love. So notice here, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. I'm going to read it to you. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Obviously in school, you're just going to see that middle section, right? Do to others what you would have them do to you. But Jesus takes it way beyond that. This last phrase, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Why are we active and doing good to others? The heart of the golden rule, this, this summing up of the law and prophets, is this in Romans chapter 13, 8 through 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. All the law, the don't do this, do this, all that, that huge list. The whole point of that is to help you understand love. It goes on. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing, continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Notice that first section. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Imagine living out your week with this mindset of I owe others love. It's my duty, it's my responsibility. It is my action to love other people. And then verse 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up by this one statement, love yourself or love your neighbor as yourself. True love is a love that loves without happiness pursued hear that again true love the love that god talks about this unconditional love this agape love is a love that loves without happiness being pursued i choose to love you regardless and so this goes beyond way beyond a religious list we so easily can just look at religion as I've got to do all these things, believe all these things. And Jesus says the whole point of all this is acting on love. We look at the, the religion, and most people do, especially outside these walls, is religion is just a bunch of don't do this, don't, 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 don't. And Jesus is saying the flip side of that, do, do, do. Do love, do love, do love. It's a practice of loving. And so sometimes we get it stuck in our head, uh, well, I'm going to attempt it this one time, I'm going to go at it, and then I'm going to call myself a Christian and someone who loves. And to make that kind of comparison, kind of going to skiing again, because this is where I wrote this sermon, uh, was for the ski trip. We have kids who will go down the black diamond at Paoli or Timber Ridge. 500 feet of vertical drop, 
All right, and here's how they go down the black diamond, right? Oh, it's like literally two and a half seconds long. Just hold your feet long enough, tuck and go, and then if you don't wreck at the end, no, they don't even do that. Even if they wreck, they say, I skied a black diamond. Ow! I'm going to the Olympics next year. Like, no! Going down one time at that rate of speed and crashing into a group of children or the lodge does not qualify you as an expert skier. For some reason, we have in our head, hey, I'm going to try this love thing once, and then I'm a lover. I tried it once. I'm a lo- that makes me a lover. Jesus is talking about a practice of being a people who love. Be ambitious. Keep pressing in. Keep trying. Keep coming. So it's this move to godliness or holiness. And again, we think of it as a list of don'ts, and Jesus sees a list of do's, actively pursuing a lifestyle of love. I choose to love regardless of how you respond. Will you choose to love regardless of how other people respond? been roughing a little bit. I got my IHSA roughing license for soccer. I got a patch to prove that I passed the test to ref. And I thought it'd just be good to, you know, keep up with the trends and the, you know, cool factor. All refs are cool. Get cool jerseys. Everybody respects you. (laughs) So I'm refing this game uh, it's Olney versus Robinson. Guys, Robinson's terrible. It's like they all just decided one day, let's go play soccer. So they're taking the ball out of bounds. You're supposed to throw in like this. They're taking the ball like this. Literally just chucking it. I'm like, no, stop. And so I got to call him. And so finally, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm just going to help the team. So I blow this kid. It's a foul, right? You can't throw the ball in like that. It'd be like in basketball. You take it and punt it, right? This is what I'm seeing. I blow the whistle. I'm like, hey, man, listen, both feet on the ground, drag your feet, start with the ball behind. He starts arguing with me. I'm like, chill out. I'm helping you. I don't have to help you. I could just call you out as being an idiot and leave it at that. I'm trying to help you learn the game. Let me love you. It's like sometimes we try and love people, and they start freaking out, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. Never going to try again. Or it's this idea of, I'm going to continue helping this Robinson team to figure this out regardless of how they're bad-mouthing me. Will you love people regardless of how they respond? <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, I think, help us understand this a little bit further. This concept of, of walking in love. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love. 
just as Christ loved us and gave him up, himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you hear the type of love we are supposed to walk in? Like my way of life, how I do life is to be characterized by this walk of love. Just like Christ's love, who gave himself up sacrificially, regardless of how you respond to him. God, Jesus, chose to love you regardless of how you're going to respond. Being godly regardless of people's response. And notice, all through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, like, go home and read this. This whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' big sermon, three chapters. He goes through it, and it's almost like he had this all in mind. He says, love your enemies. Love mean people. Love the bully. Love your boss who is a jerk every single day. And it's not this idea of I'm just going to love and I'm going to be here and I'm going to keep to myself and keep quiet. God is calling you to actively love the jerk. I'll pour good into your life despite what you think of me. Pray for those who persecute you, Jesus says. The people who persecute you, you pray for them, wish them well. He talks about going the extra mile. Don't just do the bare minimum, but look for other ways that you can go even further with these people. He talks about turning the other cheek. I was raised, if anybody punches you, that is a green light to punch them back. This is hard. I'm using my squealy voice <laughs> for emphasis. This is hard stuff. This is next level stuff. Jesus promised right before this verse in Matthew chapter 7, 7, 12, and 7, 11, he says, if then though you are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If God is a gift giver, shouldn't we be gift givers? Like literally dropping gifts of grace. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve the mercy, right? But God calls us give love. Give grace, give mercy. You do the golden rule, you do those types of things, here's your payback. You will get punched. Maybe a sucker punch. Recognize there is no payback. Like I'm going to give regardless of how you respond. So that's like, that's like next level stuff. But Jesus is calling us even to another level. Like it, he just keeps going. Like the, there's the, we think we've reached the limit of, okay, I'm being a great Christian. And Jesus, is like, he's right there. He's like, okay, you got more. Here, here's some more stuff. 
you get to this idea of, and, and maybe the challenge, this ambitious idea is, what would it look like if you were an expert at Christianity? I'm not sure we even sell that, uh, uh, present that. But you read through scripture, I mean, when, there in Ephesians 5 where he says, be an imitator of Jesus. This is expert, right? And so it's like skiing. You can have people who go skiing on the, on the green circles. It's the bunny slope, right? Hey, I'm glad you're trying. I'm glad you're skiing. And then you get to the blue squares, and it's like, oh, we're going to... You're going to start carving. You're going to start trying some stuff. And then you get these people, black diamond, right? And it's like, this is next level stuff. Like, you're not just out there. There's not a lot of people on the black diamond. Like, they're trying to go to the next level. And then you get out to places like Colorado, which have double black diamonds. And you're talking expert level. Like, you need to know what you're doing. I think Jesus... In this golden rule, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, gives us a picture of this. Look back at Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It's the first phrase, which we also don't see very much. So in everything. Oh, that's a lot of stuff, Jesus. Every relationship, every encounter... But to be an expert at skiing, you need to know. You need to know how to turn, how hard to turn. If there's fresh powder, if it's hard snow, you need to know how to navigate through the rocks and the trees and the speed and to be able to react. At a moment's notice, you have blind little humps, and so you're constantly adjusting. Your core is fully engaged all the time, just like this next week. At a moment's notice. Are you ready to react with a gift of love? We're talking experts. God wants that for you. He calls that for you. And here's the kicker. You can do this. Like if you live like this, you only will change. Richland County will change every person that you're engaged with. This is an amazing event. This is... This is big. There's like 300 people in here. We could completely change Richland County. That's amazing. How will you do that this week? To react on a moment's notice, to give yourself away, an emptying of yourself, and to see others as more important. We're talking humility. We're talking you are a mini Jesus this week. This is ambitious. And Jesus says, in everything, to all people, literally, everything whatsoever, you be doing to them. This is unlimited scope and faithful persistence. Joshua Medcalf was a speaker at the high school this week. He wrote a few books. One of them is Chop Wood, Carry Water. Didn't know the guy. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed, I was subbing Friday, uh, and really enjoyed his um, part testimony, part encouragement to the students. And so <clears throat> he's kind of doing a meet and greet and signing books afterwards. And this is where Jason, uh, he doesn't think all the time. Uh, Michelle Cobble was talking to him, and he's, 
he's sitting there signing his book or her book with a permanent marker. I go up behind the guy, behind the guy, and I give him a hug from behind. I just interrupted. I said, thank you so much. That was the best soccer recruitment speech I've ever heard. He paid no attention to me. Probably because I'm spooning the guy <laughs> in front of everybody. And I, I don't even know why he interrupted. I just thought to myself, I'm going to go give this guy a hug, interrupt everybody, spoon him. And, you know, there's administration and teachers all standing around. They got to be thinking, what is Burkhardt doing? Leave the guy alone. But it's like sometimes we just, we, we act in what we do, not thinking about everybody else. I could have handled that situation way better in a very professional, loving way. Don't spoon people you don't know. <laughs> right? But in everything, to look and seek and know how people are and how to engage them and to love on them even appropriately, even so that they can listen and engage with you back. It's ambitious. The full goal of this is to mirror the activity of our Father, to become like Christ. So in doing that, maybe help you with this, I think you need to look inward, upward, and outward. But look first to God. Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 40. You know this verse, but it's the big verse. Jesus said it is. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You will not love others or yourself until you love God right. Part of this is just recognizing who he is, what he's done for you. This, this God who says you are valuable so much so that I'm willing to send my son to die in your place and I'm going to love you in this way regardless of how you respond. And this sort of love to love our neighbors, it does not come naturally. Like, I don't want to do this. It has to come from something else. Jesus moving into my life, guided by the Holy Spirit, is what pushes me into that next level. It's a divine love. And so no, I can't hold a grudge. I cannot, as a Christian, hold a grudge. I cannot, as a Christian, intentionally avoid people. I cannot, as a Christian, expect bad from others. That's a human love. Luke chapter 6, verse 32 talks about this. In fact, if you want to read it later, this chapter 6 is kind of a, a mirror of what we've been reading. But Luke chapter 6, verse 32 if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. It's a selfish love. But Luke chapter 6, verse 27, right before this says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. 
This is next level stuff. This is ambitious. And so God's love is so strong that you can love your enemies. This is a chosen love that I will love you regardless of how you respond to me. In Romans chapter 5, 8, maybe put this into more perspective for us. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God he did. He's been so gracious and so patient. We breathe his air. We exist in this universe. And when you are filled with his love, then you can love like he does. I can't love people this way. I want to take revenge. (laughs) I need a savior. I need Jesus to press into my life. I need to be vulnerable to him. So when I look upward and then I look inward and see who I am and that this need for Jesus to change my life, then I can begin looking outward and love the way God wants me to live. To consider others better than yourselves. It's okay to be taken advantage of. It's okay when things aren't fair. It's okay when you get that end of the stick. I need my phone. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Actually, 1 through 3. Message version, I think, illustrates that a little bit for us. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, of course. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you could do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Like hugging people from behind that don't know you. Instead, fix your attention to God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Be an expert in this Christianity. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. To be this expert, I need to be skilled, constantly paying attention, focused, ready to react at a moment's notice. Christians recognize our reward is not going to be here. Uh, Don't expect payback, guys. We love just to love. We live for another payback. This is an ambitious love. Not easy. So the challenge is, how do you do this on a day-to-day basis? One, I recognize your identity. God has formed, this is you. You're sitting there saying, I I can't do this. I know, you're right. 
This is Jesus working through you. So the number one thing is, am I going to commit my life to Christ? Will he be my Lord? Is he going to be the one in control of my life? That's the starting place. And if you've already been there, the next question is, are you going to get out of the driver's seat so Jesus can keep driving this next week? Because the constant tendency is to get back into it and to be immature, right? To love conveniently rather than to love unconditionally. Like, I am going to be ambitious. I'm going to let Jesus literally live my life for me this next week and the week after that. Every engagement, I am going to surrender it to his throne. This golden rule, hopefully you all have one of these. We have a response time. Or one, if you have a decision, like you're not Christian and you want to be a part of this family, you want to engage and press into that. What does that look like? How do I become a Christian? Every week we are down here to start that. Two, for all of us in here, this is kind of a, this is a way for us to encourage one another. I've had conversations where it seems like we don't know what everybody else is doing because this is a big church. So on the back of your golden rule, I want you to write down, what is the one thing where you're going to do an ambitious love this week? What is something that you could do that is giving a gift of grace? And you can write generically. It doesn't matter. Or you can write specifically. There's just not a lot of room to write. Write real tiny. And I want you to take it. We have three stations. We have one over here, one over here, one in the back. And as a way of encouragement, or even just saying, God, this is, this is, this is something I could do for you. This is a way I'm going to practice my faith. I want you to write down something that you will do as a doing unto others as, they would, as you would want done to you. What is my act of love this week? And be... Challenge yourself. Be ambitious. Like, don't just say, oh, I'm going to do my, my chores because mom will thank my butt if I don't. Like, what, what's that next level? What's going to push you? What, what's that next thing that I could do that's going to be a little bit more ump? could be that grudge that you're holding on to. It could be that act of you know, repentance where I need to repent to somebody because of what I've done. It's still an act of love. What is your act of love? So you have three options during our response time. One, you can come down, make a decision for Jesus, or prayer. We love praying with people. Two, put this on one of those boards, and then we're going to display it for everybody to see this week and next week. We'll move it out there. Three is communion time. God has done amazing things for us. Let's love in return, right? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for an opportunity to, to give ourselves up, to love as you loved. And God, help us to step up to that challenge, to seek to love others, regardless of how they respond. And God, we need your grace and mercy as we press into this. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.
sometimes when I'm reading scripture, I begin having a flashback. I'm reading over here and I think about, oh, this in the Old Testament. And sometimes when I'm thinking about that last night of Christ's life, when he's at the table with the disciples, I begin wondering if they had those flashbacks too. You know, Jesus is holding the bread and, and he breaks it. And I wonder if, the, if they begin thinking about those moments when Jesus took the loaves of bread and fed the thousands. He did that twice, 5,000 and 4,000. He did the miracles and, and then he did the teachings where he said, I am the bread of life. Do you think the disciples were, were processing all this when, when Jesus broke bread and said, this is my body? In a moment, you have a chance with us to take communion. And I want you to have a flashback. Not just of the wonders and the signs and the miracles. Not just of the teaching, but of what this bread is. It's his grace. To you, to me. It's his love. To you and to me. Go ahead and pray with me. Gracious Father, I thank you for your love and mercy. And Father, I thank you so much that his blood, that his body, was given for us. Father, this is a time where we can rejoice, a time where we can celebrate, a time that we can remember that which is so special. You have changed our souls inside out. You give us the ability to love as G Jason's talked about today. Even when they hate, even when they yell back, even when there's bitterness and, and pain, you still give us a chance to show the grace that has been given us. Let us rejoice and be your people. In Christ's name I pray.